Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast. Today is Monday, February 15th, 2021. Hope that you had a wonderful St. Valentine's Day. As always, happy that you and glad that you are with us listening in. Today we have a very interesting topic uh, where we're going to be talking about NASCAR's move towards revenue innovation. And we're going to break down uh, some very interesting article pieces that, uh, that I've come across and what this might mean for uh, NASCAR moving forward. So NASCAR obviously is, it's a sport that I've watched. Um, it may be a sport that you've watched. It's maybe a sport that you just know about and don't watch. Uh, maybe you have no interest in uh, fast cars or just fast cars going around in a track or what have you, right? But uh, there is no denying that NASCAR is a part of American culture and uh, is obviously a part of the sort of sports uh, news cycle. You know, and I'd be willing, you know, to, to sort of bet and to, to stake that, you know, NASCAR really is one of the sort of proud American sports, right? Regardless of uh, its popularity, it's something that's been around uh, for, you know, well over 50 years. And it's something that, um, I think, I think most people would sort of enjoy a fast car. I guess the, the, the connection or the problem is, um, you know, how do you, how do you connect, um, you know, NASCAR to more fans, right? And how do you drive more revenue? How do you diversify, uh, you know, your revenue, right? When you're talking about a, um, you know, platform or a league, you know, like NASCAR. So again, I think this is something that's, a, you know, it's where they're talking about, um, you know, NASCAR, you know, growing up on dirt tracks of American soil or onto the pavement of today. Uh, we also have IndyCar, we have Formula One. Uh, Formula One uh, tends to be sort of more popular sport, uh, specifically interna internationally. Uh, they've been a very innovative sport Actually, a while back, I wrote an article about uh, Formula E, which was a um, electric racing circuit that had become very popular here in the States and also overseas. And it was really a way to grow, um, you know, sort of a, a modern or a younger fan base, particularly people interested in electric cars, uh, you know, maybe your Tesla buyers or what have you, right? People that are just more interested in maybe going green or cost savings or sustainability uh, in the sports context. So uh, there's an article out there about that that I wrote uh, probably a year or so ago. But 
again, these are all ways that I think racing has looked to innovate and bring in more revenue. And of course, you know, NASCAR is not like any other, you know, or unlike or not unlike any other sport in that, you know, you're always looking for ways to uh, to grow the sport, right? To modernize, uh, innovate, and diversify your revenue stream. And that's really the smart thing to do because it's not a guarantee that your fans are always going to be the same fans or people are going to continue to watch the sport. And I think NASCAR's uh, trajectory is really a proof of that. You know, I think from the 2000s, the early 2000s, which really I think was probably the height of NASCAR's popularity. And we'll get into why that is and where it is now and where it's going. But, you know, the television ratings were at the best in the early 2000s. And I think some of that popularity was tied to um, very popular drivers like Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt. And of course, Jeff Gordon now is retired. And I think um, Earnhardt did Earnhardt Jr. did retire, but uh, has come back. Um, And then obviously you have, uh, you know, right around that time in the early 2000s, specifically in 2001, you had Dale Earnhardt uh, Sr., uh, tragically pass away. So I think, um, you know, you had some very popular drivers, you had um, a lot of different news in the news cycle that was really driving popularity of the sport, they had a new television deal. I, I think, you know, the stock car, uh, stock car circuit or NASCAR, in other words, um, also had somewhat of a trail of popularity from the Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman movie Days of Thunder uh, from 1990. Uh, which was, uh, um, in my opinion, I thought it was a great Paramount film. I think other people may not feel the same way. And uh, there was always the commentary that uh, the Days of Thunder film was, you know, basically Tom Cruise in, in, uh, instead of being in a, in, a, in a fighter jet was in a fast car. But um, I see distinctions. Uh, I think every movie, uh, you know, regardless of what you're talking about, Top Gun or Days of Thunder uh, has a theme to it, right? And, you know, you can go through, uh, different genres of movies, and they seem to have a common way of telling a story. But um, I think the movies are distinguishable. But anyway, I think uh, on the tail of that movie, uh, produced by Jerry Bruckheimer and um, and Don Simpson, uh, you had basically Tom Cruise playing Cole Trickle and uh, Nicole Kidman playing uh, Dr. Claire Lewicki, who was the neurosurgeon uh, that was checking out Cole Trickle and uh, Rowdy Burns. So um, after their um, uh, sort of crash uh, there. So I think you had some, you know, obviously some film and sort of entertainment aspect that was helping the sport grow. Even though it was 10 years after, I think people still refer to the film today. And it's um, one of the few, um, well, it's really the only NASCAR film that I know of that's been made. Uh, I think there's obviously been other films made about Formula One and IndyCar racing, but uh, in terms of NASCAR, it's really the only film that I can I can point to. But again, you know, it's the early 2000s, uh, very popular, height of the sport in terms of popularity. It's on the heels of a new television deal, as I mentioned, with NBC and Fox. Um, there was even modernization of the sport uh, by getting a new title sponsor. For years, it was uh, Winston, uh, the Winston Cup, named after the uh, Winston Cigarette Company. And as we got into the uh, 2000s, it was like, okay, well, we need a, we need a sponsor, uh, you know, speaking from sort of NASCAR's point of view, we need a sponsor that's going to be um, more widely accepted, right? And so they went to Nextel and Sprint, uh, which was a more recognizable uh, 
sort of broader based company, right? Where you're not promoting cigarettes or, you know, beer, you're, you know, focused on, um, you know, a cell phone provider, right? Which seems to be more the case today when you're talking about uh, other uh, sponsors that deal, uh, you know, with, uh, with sports leagues. And of course, I think the Nextel Sprint, um, you know, title sponsorship really was allowed, allowed the sport to, to grow more broadly and to welcome a larger and younger uh, group of fans and a new group of fans. Um, and of course, the new, at, that, at that time, the new NBC um, television deal um, obviously opened up additional distribution opportunities. You know, I say, interestingly enough, the current um, NASCAR deal, television deal that runs from 2017 to 2024 is actually for Fox and NBC. And I, I think that that's a telling story because I think NASCAR went back and was sort of looking at its, you know, television ratings and okay, well, when when we were most popular and who was our best partner? Uh, and I think part of it too is who's going to pay the most money. But um, yeah, I think it's I think it's telling that they went back to uh, Fox and NBC for their current deal. I think you know it's interesting. NASCAR is unlike, and for those folks who are unfamiliar, it's unlike any other big four or five team sports in North America. Um, it's not like the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball or the NHL or, or even um, MLS. You know, it, it does have a league office with NASCAR, right? Uh, it has racetracks or venues, um, but those were interestingly enough previously owned by separate companies. Uh, namely the International Speedway Corporation, or ISC, and the uh, Speedway Motorsports LLC, or SMI, as it was referred to. Um, but they have individual teams that sponsor drivers who compete for points in a cup series. Uh, there is no other sport that's even close to, to, to being like that in, in North America or really around the world, uh, maybe except for other racing sports like Formula One. But... Um, that that's the model that NASCAR has. And even if you look towards golf or tennis, the other sort of major individual athlete sports, it's different. Um, there is no sort of big sponsor structure like that. There's no teams. You essentially compete for yourself. You are the brand and you basically, um, you know, have sponsors that help you pay to, uh, to get into tournaments and sponsors that pay for, uh, along with television dollars for, um, rewards or awards for uh, winning certain tournaments. But again, NASCAR is completely different, completely different setup. I think it's of note though, that as of 2019, um, both ISC and SMI, the two groups that used to own the tracks for NASCAR, um, NASCAR ended up purchasing uh, International Speedway Corporation and is now a private company, not a public company. And um, SMI is uh, was also turned into a uh, private company as well through a ditch a, a different purchase not related to NASCAR, and we'll get into why that's important. But let's take a quick commercial break, and uh, we will be right back. So I want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare, dead stock, or the latest release, find the exact shoe that you're looking for. As the original sneaker mark marketplace, eBay is the place to go to grab your pair of shoes. With eBay's authentic guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professionals. 
a team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. It also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for the sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers of $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. So today, go to ebay.com slash sneakers. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and a unique selection. All right, folks, we are back and we are talking about NASCAR and we're talking about ways that it is trying to innovate itself. We've gone over a little bit of the history here of the sport and what's happened um, uh, recently, uh, very briefly, and we'll get into more of the uh, nitty gritty here as we move on um, towards the second half of the show. So again, we've talked about NASCAR as a sport and, and what it means and we've talked about the popularity, the height of its popularity in the 2000s. We talked about um, how the movie Days of Thunder had a play on that. We've talked about the television deals. And uh, most recently, we talked about NASCAR purchasing International Speedway Corporation, which formerly owned and was a publicly traded company uh, for the racetracks. And uh, before we get into it, I think just on the, the outset, uh, you know, folks should recognize that when you have a league or a company like NASCAR that is utilizing its venues or, um, you know, sort of racetracks through a publicly traded corporation that is separate, you can, you know, obviously see the problems that occur from that, right? So obviously with that now out of the way, I think it's, uh, we can highlight that there's even an article I've written on this before a couple of years ago about, um, you know, the, that success in sports really revolves around a great venue, lease, market, and personnel. And with NASCAR coming to the table, not even having control over great venues, um, you know, because it was, there was a separate company and it just creates all, you know, a bunch of logistical issues. I think NASCAR now having uh, its tracks was a move to control its um, cost, destiny, and revenue. So with uh, ISC, International uh, Speedway Corporation, and, um, uh, and, uh, Speedway Motorsports LLC or SMI, with both of those now private companies and with ISC being owned by NASCAR, you know, obviously there's less focus on shareholder profit uh, and public investment. And uh, there's also um, this idea that they're just operating more like traditional team sports, right? I think uh, NASCAR, there was a great article in Sportico talking about NASCAR's um, schedule for 2021 and I encourage you to check it out. And there was a, this great article basically talked about NASCAR adding a dirt track for 2021, which is the first time they've done that since 1970. I think that's amazing. I think that's something that, I'll, um, that um, I will take time to watch and sit down. And I just think it provides an element of surprise and, um, and excitement that wasn't there before. And I think it brings it back to, it, to its roots a little bit. Um, but I, I think one of the questions that remains, particularly with NASCAR now controlling its schedule because it now controls the tracks, is why Daytona 500, which was you know, obviously played on uh, Sunday, Valentine's Day, or raced on uh, Valentine's Day, uh, is at the beginning of the, of the season. Um, you know, this would be like imagining the NFL playing the Super Bowl in September or October 
as opposed to February against um, the MLB, uh, the you know Major League Baseball season, postseason um, in September or October. You know, but I guess I guess you can make the argument that you know maybe history has shown that growth that there's growth for the sport of NASCAR where um, its biggest race is placed at the beginning of the season. I don't know the answer to that, but I think it's a question that NASCAR um, should be asking itself uh, as to why its biggest race is at the beginning of the season, particularly knowing that it controls the schedule and the tracks now. So we'll see how that plays out. I think that um, there's also some growth with regard to ownership, uh, particularly the new racing team with Michael Jordan. And I want to highlight, there was a great article via Sportico talking about the Sports Innovation Lab. And they put together this list of the top 25 sports franchises in the world. Obviously, we're kind of comparing apples to oranges here because NASCAR is an entity, uh, you know, a league, if you will, uh, and it has individual teams. But it doesn't necessarily have control over the teams, that these teams sort of, you know, work through sponsors. So it is different from the NBA or different from, you know, Major League Baseball in that way. But I think NASCAR, nonetheless, can learn from these major sports. And I think they are taking a play out of those uh, playbooks, no pun intended, or maybe pun, in, pun intended, uh, as to finding ways uh, to innovate and to bring in revenue. And, and obviously, one is controlling venues, right? That's important. I think two is bringing in um crossover partnership groups. You know, Jordan is a basketball star and owns an NBA team. And now he's coming into NASCAR. I think that provides for more ideas, different opinions. I think that's great. Uh, but this great article that I read via Sportico was uh, via um, the Sports Innovation Lab listed these eight principles that go to um, successful sports franchises. And those eight principles are uh, an ownership group with more than one team, Obviously, the Michael Jordan example, uh, fan ownership, which would be like the Green Bay Packers example, uh, uh, multilingual social channels, which might be you might see more with uh, bigger market teams uh, like the Dodgers, or even um, very much so in soccer because it's such an international game. Uh, an incubator program, which I could maybe look towards, like a a minor league system or development program, a women's team, and owned over-the-top platform, so think of like a streamer, a way to access content through a streamer, not just traditional cable, because that's where the market is going. Mixed-use development, so think about real estate, and then a paid, a paid fan membership group. So I think NASCAR is really moving towards uh, all of these things, and I'll, I'll highlight a few. I think, uh, as we mentioned before, NASCAR is getting finally getting into mixed-use development because it finally owns... Um, and helps to operate the tracks that it's um, it's 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 racing on. It doesn't have a separate company, separate schedule that it has to go through. Uh, in 2019, NASCAR launched an over-the-top OTT platform with NBC Sports. But I think where NASCAR needs to grow, and uh, there was some of this with uh, with Danica Patrick when she was um, when she was racing, but it needs actually needs to grow with um, with uh, with women viewers and um, and I, I think there's some ways that they can sort of look at that and look at other sports in terms of what they're doing. I think obviously having a very successful woman driver come in uh, would be great. Um, but just getting uh, women or female fans more involved, I think, um, 
would open up an additional uh, fan base there. I think looking at ways to increase engagement with fans through multilingual social channels or just being more innovative. Fan ownership is obviously an idea, uh, but I think maybe one of the more important pieces, and this has been the, the knock um, against NASCAR for years, is that um, they, they really don't have a minor league development system, right? They have different ways that you can kind of get into the sport and move up, but it's, it, it really boils down to money and, um, and less so much on talent. Now, at the end of the day, um, you know, winning does pay, but, you know, you could, there was actually a great article written on this years ago, and it was talking about how drivers, all they had to do to, uh, to, to sort of make money was to enter the race and actually just race, to even have to finish the race. Um, so obviously there's no incentive there, right? Um, now, obviously I don't think competition is an issue in NASCAR, um, you know, at this point, but it'd be great to have a developed minor league system, which I think would increase engagement because you'd increase interest, right? I don't think college programs are going to be getting into, you know, NASCAR and stock car racing because it's just too expensive and it's probably too dangerous for them to take the liability, but uh, it's a thing where NASCAR could set up a minor league development system to help bring up young drivers. And there's some proof that some of this is happening. Um, so, you know, we'll see how that goes. Now, I think uh, in that same article I mentioned earlier with the Sports Innovation Lab via Sportico, uh, there was this idea of talking about revenue diversification, uh, a technology focus and organizational agility uh, that really moved towards financial sustainability. And I think NASCAR is doing a lot of these. I think number one, um, them getting in, uh, the NASCAR getting into esports, needed e-racing, um, even looking at maybe potentially uh, Formula E style electric cars. I think creating the OTT with with NBC Sports was a was a smart move. I think the sports betting partnerships were um, were innovative and, and the, some of the first of their kind. Uh, new, obviously with new tracks and a schedule and being able to control that and control the real estate is important. These are all things that are going to lead to additional revenue di diversification uh, through technology for NASCAR. And of course, NASCAR has gained significant organizational agility by purchasing the company that once controlled its racetracks. So I think a broader control of the development of young drivers would uh, be the next logical step um, with, again, a with less focus on money and more on talent. Because at the end of the day, talent is going to win and talent, talent is going to get paid. And if you have a very talented driver, he's going to draw sponsorships or she's going to draw sponsorships uh, to the sport. So I think NASCAR, and this is an interesting thing I don't think a lot of people talk about, and it's that you know NASCAR has an opportunity to become the most technologically advanced sport in the world. And it's because man and machine are literally one. They rely on each other to compete and win. The driver relies on the car to, to win. And, and the car is not going to function very properly if it's not being driven as it should be. Um, you know, as Robert Duvall playing um, the crew chief to Colt Trickle, uh, as Harry Hogg and Days of Thunder uh, said, hey, there's nothing stock about a stock car, right? Which really highlights the fact that stock cars are built you know, there are certain levels and thresholds because they want the cars to, to compete on an equal playing field. But at the end of the day, uh, you, can, you can change the car within, within that threshold. Obviously, if you have a better driver, that helps. And, you know, look, NASCAR clearly has a tactical eye for innovation. I mean, it was the first major sport to return 
during the pandemic and mid, uh, you know, I think it was about mid-March to semi-normalcy by offering um, a uh, sort of virtual, you know, iRacing through their eNASCAR e platform. That was the first major event that occurred for sports, um, you know, after all, you know, March Madness and after the NBA and after everybody else was, had shut down, the NHL had shut down, spring training was shut down. Uh, that was the first um, really sport to come back. And of course, NASCAR was the first to come back physically and to hold a race. Uh, and of course, it was easier for them to do because the drivers are isolated in their cars and the fans are in the stands, uh, separated by a car and a wall and an entire track. So I think NASCAR's recent moves, uh, it leads me to believe anyway uh, that it could be returning to some of its past popularity uh, with through some of the moves that it's made. So folks, um, this has been uh, episode seven of season three, uh, talking about NASCAR and its uh, move towards uh, driving uh, revenue innovation. We've hoped that you've enjoyed the show and uh, wishing you a great week. Again, always appreciate listening in and looking forward to being back with you very soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.